You're listening to Save Yourself. Conversations, ideas, and strategic thinking with the four founders of Unlimited Wealth. Join us for discussions, debates, and strategies that have brought them and their clients financial freedom and how you too can break free from traditional boundaries to unlimit your wealth. Welcome everybody to Save Yourself Podcast brought to you by Unlimited Wealth. What's up guys? I've got Brad Lowe here, Mike Schwally. Hey John. I'm Big John. All right. Let's do this. What do you got, John? What's next? So for someone who has investable assets, I mean, in the stock market, where where does this fit? And someone who's who's more not, hey, I do, all I do is real estate and I love leverage or I, I run these businesses, but, but someone who has a, kind of a, a different makeup and comes maybe from hey, believing in the stock market, and we do too. Where, where does this fit in someone's overall portfolio? It's a hard question. The first part of that answer, I would say, make sure you, you've listened to the savings versus investing conversation season one. All right, go back and listen to that. Assuming that you have, you know, this, these are savings dollars. You know, and people view those different with different objectives. I, I tell every client I'm, I sit down with uh, before, before I would want to help them create a portfolio market-based type portfolio, I would want to make sure that they were investing in the things that they know and understand first. So whether that's their business, if they're in real estate, whatever those things are. Uh, If they don't, I met with a pharmacist the other day and he says, you know, I'd love to be able to do some of that. I don't have any time. He's interested in creating a portfolio. And I said, hey, well, then I'm going to need your help with that because you know and understand best pharmaceutical companies and what's going on in that world. So, you know, that's probably what you're going to have the most interest in with regards to your portfolio. He's kind of a hands-on guy. He wants to know and understand the companies. Yeah. So that's just an example. But as far as where this fits in with that, this is going to be just savings. And he may let it just function more like a bond portfolio would would function. If he doesn't touch it, it's going to be his, you know, 3 to 5% conservative fixed return, income piece. fixed mm-hmm. income piece that we know that that's going to be there. And then he can, he can maybe be a little more aggressive with his portfolio because we, we have a known on the fixed income side with the asset of the life insurance. Yeah. For me, uh, I've worked with a large number of real estate investors and we, we do see them go out and grow their money and, and build passive income or do fix and flips and get quick hits. But, but all of those, scenarios you have to have skin in the game to an extent you've got to have money to renovate the property or to uh, buy that put the down payment down whatever that may be so we use this as that pool of capital that is in reserve and and able to access and leverage when those opportunities come along but also you know if an air conditioning unit goes out or they got to put a new roof on or they need capital they, they have a a quick go back to what we talked about earlier a quick phone call a quick text message that money hits their account and they're able to they don't have to go ask permission for the money um, they've got access to it so it's just a liquid account that they can obtain and or use anytime they want yeah a question that i hear here and where this comes from a good friend of mine always with he's a business owner always says you got to look good on paper got to look good on paper mm-hmm. So how does this affect my, you know, my relationship potentially with my banking relationship? So if I direct capital this way to keep doing what I'm doing, how does how does that look on paper? How does it how does it make me look on paper? Again, just help just helped a client with that yesterday morning. 
uh, he's preparing a, uh, a personal financial statement, getting ready to do a uh, multifamily real estate deal. And he needed these current values because they go on his personal financial statement. He has five policies. Uh, his current values go on his cash values, not death benefit values, go on his personal financial statement in the same place as his money markets, savings accounts, CDs would go. So it adds to net worth as opposed to taking away from net worth. How do the banks look at it, would you say? Really no different than a liquid cash account, an interest-bearing account at the bank. They're going to – they don't look negatively on it, if that's what you're asking, but it's going to it's gonna be a positive on their net sheet. Excellent. Am I, am I too old? Someone who's thinking, man, you know, how many times have you heard, John, Brad, Mike, you know, if I'd heard of this 30 years ago, man, that would have been great. Mm-hmm. This would work for my kids, but not yeah. me. I'm I'm too far. Exactly. And I, you know, coming from the way the world is, the noise of everything, it's hard to hard to know. Plus, there's, you know, tra- traditional life insurance has made it. I mean, it's just very challenging to know what's there's so much noise. Know what's true, what's accurate, what's mm-hmm. right. What would you, how would you respond to? You know, I feel like I'm too old to do this. I don't have enough time. Well, I spoke to a, a nice lady the other day, 52 years old. She told me she was going to retire at 65. And we, we looked at this strategy and, well, I've only got about 13, 15 years before I'm going to and go off in the sunset. And, and so we, we she thought originally like there was an end point, like we were going to have to stop this. But And I asked her, well, what then? What are you going to do? You know, are you? You're going to need cash. Are you going to need capital? Are you going to continue to live? And are you going to buy cars? Are you going to go on vacations? Are you going to invest in other things? Whatever it may be. And 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 she finally realized, yeah, I'm, I've got a long runway to go. There's going to be a need for capital well into my future, and so I can take advantage of that, the the compounding over time, and and have the access to cash and use it more efficiently over that time period. Yeah, I mean Nelson would respond. Uh, probably something had to do with a tree, you know, him being a forester. You know, I've heard him say a, a lot of times, when was the when, when's the best time to plant a tree? It's 40 years ago, right? But what if you didn't plant it 40 years ago? You should probably plant one today. Second best time. Second best time. Mm-hmm. Today. So I would, I would respond to that. I, the oldest client I have that has begun this strategy with themselves being the insured is set, was 74 years old. Now, granted, he may have had some different objectives. Within reason, though, that, and that's a mid number. People say, "Well, the it's going to be I'm I'm older. I'm 55, or I'm 58, or I'm 61. Life insurance is going to be so expensive." Well, if we're trying to get a death benefit and get as much death benefit as we can, not that they are correct. Death benefit costs more the older you get when you initiate a contract, whatever kind of contract it is. But we when we take as much death benefit as we can down to the IRS limit with within reason age age range and I don't know exactly the year but it's late 50s early 60s really the only trade-off you're getting as you get older is the death benefit number is just smaller mm-hmm. the cash is not going to behave very much differently at all now that does change as somebody reaches you know later 60s 70s cash cash does start to change but really for the same inputs in the same amount of time Somebody's just getting less death benefit if they're older because mm-hmm. we're minimizing that and maximizing the cash. That's right. We touched on this one last season quickly 
Mike, what if I'm what if I'm not insurable? I've had health issues. It's a great question. Yeah, I mean, we run into that a number of times, unfortunately. But you know, with uh, a family or a business owner, there's going to be an insurable interest of some sort. I've got policies on my wife that I own, um, on my children that I own. Uh, my, Same. Bu- my business partner and I had a buy sell agreement on each other at some point, mm-hmm. and so we we there's insurable interest is what matters um if you unfortunately are uninsurable we may not be able to put a policy on you but if there's a need for capital and a reason to insure then you can own and control a policy that it, someone else is the insured what about people who uh this is coming up a lot lately which is great because this is in the generational banking vein what are they saying hey uh grandparents or i want to load it up for my kids mm. you know, grandparents you know we're going to we're going to load it up for them. They're going to have this system built by the time they're 30. How do we approach that one? I mean, I think that's a good strategy. I mean, I, I do love the multi-generational long-range thinking. Just, again, back to back to Nelson. He was a forester. I mean, you got to think 40, 60, 80 years down the road, you're not thinking about next year as much. right? You're, you're doing things today that are going to not benefit you, but they're going to benefit the next owner of the land. Hopefully that's somebody else in your family or, or down the line. Same thing with the life insurance contracts. If 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 you're the generation that starts this, it'd be really great for there to be life insurance on you doing this strategy because that's going to be one generation sooner where big windfalls start to happen to complete people's system, uh, you know, kids, grandkids, great-grandkids systems and fill those back up. Mm-hmm. But to your, your point, you know, sometimes that's not the case. Maybe maybe somebody's uninsurable due to whatever by the time they come across a strategy, but they still want their family to be able to take advantage. Well, then that's where the kids, grandkids come into play, and you you pass you know, owner, granddad or dad just passes ownership instead of death benefit passing along. Ownership of the contract passes along via successor ownership. Mm-hmm. And I was just thinking, or I was thinking the other day. Between two partners, it's rare that both are uninsurable. Right, right. In 17 years of doing this, I don't think I've Never seen that. Yeah. Oh, so. And then, you know, that, that, you know, you bring up a point there. We do talk about maximizing cash here, minimizing death benefit for the purposes of capital, access to capital, doing things with liquidity we want to do, right? But the older people get, the more important death benefit becomes. True, right. Yeah, it might not be important to the forty-year-old because I've been there. John just recently was—you're not even there yet, are you? Forty-two, man. Oh my goodness, you're you're about you, five years older than you look. You don't look. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thanks so much. <laughs> Unfortunately, I, I look a lot older than I actually am no. uh, at forty-nine. But you know, the older people get, death benefit becomes more important, mm-hmm. and so estate it, planning, estate planning, yes. And so there is. Like you mentioned, John, husband and wife, if legacy is super important to them, but they want to do this strategy, one person may be uninsurable. You could do insurance on the other spouse, or you could even do what's called a second to die that would not be for infinite banking purposes, but that legacy could be planned for to fill up other policies upon the second one's passing that they had used for generational banking for their family, whatever whatever that might look like. Yes. Uh, what you're talking about reminds me of some clients where there's just tons of land, like mm-hmm. you know, as far as like cash or cash equivalents, or even 
stock market, anything. It's just it's, you see it where they're so land rich, and then the next generation. Let's say you have son number one; he doesn't want anything but money. Some some number two wants the land. Well, it's hard to go to the bank and and borrow that much money against the land and it cash flow mm-hmm. and even pay the note. Mm-hmm. And so that's when life insurance for death benefit can we do that a good bit it just depends to your point you also point earlier it's just all what meet somebody where they are and what's what are they going for what's what are their objectives a couple more if this you know this sound from what you are saying it sounds what we're telling people that this is can be a really good thing for the right fit and the right people why if it if that is the case then why isn't everyone doing this I think the first thing that I hear that all the time, that's too good to be true, or there, right. why isn't everyone practicing this, is number one, it's just um, there's not a lot of education out there on it, proper education. People, uh, it's getting more popular. You can you can Google and learn and go down that rabbit hole. And But there's, uh, number one, it takes that upfront education. People have to take some investment in learning this this strategy, and we, we are helping and hoping to help folks to do that. But... Um, and then it takes some discipline. I saw a stat the other day that I think the average American only can access less than a couple thousand dollars right now in savings. So you've got to be a good saver. I mean, I think we we all know that. Anything you want to add on that? I, I mean, I feel like the yeah. Lone Ranger here. Yeah. I've heard that. Yeah. 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 Like we talked about in season one, people can feel like the Lone Ranger because everybody doesn't do this. You know, you, you're putting money in fill in the blank your 401k which is a great place to to invest money if it's an option can be a great place you don't feel like a lone ranger because everybody else you know is is also doing it feel just like that's just what you're supposed to do right but this number one it takes education and it takes time for it to do its thing doesn't mean it it can't have some benefits immediately because it certainly does and more of our clients than not are using capital in the first 30 days of, of going down the road in this in this strategy. But we live in an instant gratification society. You know, give me 30 seconds of why I should do this and how good is it going to be for me next month? Can't answer that first question and it's not it's not going to you know, you can't answer the second one either. Right? So it it's, it comes down it comes down to, to your point, people not wanting to educate themselves and just wanting instant gratification. People aren't, people don't want to get rich slow. They want to get rich quick. True. And this is get rich slow. Or get wealthy slow. Yeah. But that sounds slow. Yeah. Everybody wants it fast. Uh, yeah, it's, and you have to be willing to do things a little different. I've heard a lot of people over the years say, you know, when I'm trying to explain this to somebody, they just tell me I'm crazy. Or I'm, you know, and so I've just kind of gave up. I've stopped. Well, that's, that's why we're doing this. And so people don't have to do that, and they can just have quality resources to, if somebody has interest, they can get educated to whatever degree or, or not. It's fine. So that's going to be, this is really, that's one of the great things about this. Yeah, and to your point on the Lone Ranger, I, 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 I ask a question back sometimes when people ask that of, name me one person that excels at something, whether that's physically mentally, spiritually, financially, in that area that they excel at, are they doing the same thing that everybody else is doing? No. No. Of course not. They're they're doing things different. 
So if you want to excel in your financial life, you probably should consider some different strategies just, just than just the norm of what you hear everybody else doing. Get uncomfortable? Maybe so. Get comfortable being uncomfortable? That's right. It's hard. That's right. Doing hard things. That's right. Lastly, so if somebody is, I'm, I'm interested, I don't know yet, what's the process to get started with, with IBC? Well, once the education, once you've educated yourself, you're ready to get started. Um, of course, we are talking about insurance. We've got to go through, fill out some questionnaires, do an evaluation, get approved, get a health rating. Um, and then once we can do that, then we construct a policy based on our objectives, our solutions, our cash flows. We look at the holistic approach for the client, where this is going to fit in, and then we design a policy to fit for them. And just a matter of funding that policy, get started and get started using it. We usually have an objective right off the bat in most cases that we're going to start implementing this policy from day one. And um, But if not, maybe maybe we build it up for a few years and we're ready to just be, when that opportunity comes along, we're ready to use it. So, But in the beginning, it's just a uh, education first application, that process. Maybe that takes uh, a quick process, but if, if there's some health issues and different things, we got to get through that underwriting. I, I wish we didn't in a lot of cases. You know, we could just jump right in and, and get started, but um, it, it does take a little bit of time. And so, what, what about if somebody goes through the whole process? They either do accelerated underwriting where they don't have to do the, the blood and urine part, but just answer questions, or they do full, whatever we suggest. You know, we guide people to what is going to get the best result. And then they get offer. They get offers from the insurance company, and just timing is off. It's like really want to do this, or or for whatever reason, they just need to pass on that. What what happens then? Nothing. You know, we we did some work. We helped them create a plan, uh, but they're not committed to anything until they write a check. And so it doesn't cost them anything. It doesn't cost anything. And another just a little bit of just a little bit of time. You know, once once they've spent the time to educate. The application process is probably going to take a grand total of 30 minutes of their time, tops. Yeah, pretty simple process. But to that point, too, John, there's it is all about timing. And if, if somebody does get an approved rating and maybe a good rating and, and we want to lock that in, we can we can lock them in and, and hold that insurance and maybe in the form of term insurance and guarantee them their health rating is insured during that time period, maybe six months, six years down the road the timing is better and we want to implement the infinite banking then we'll convert that policy to a permanent policy and they don't have to go back in through the underwriting process just some paperwork to fill out we can get started whenever they're ready john what's the quickest from application to inception uh creating a contract what's the fastest uh period of time you've seen it happen and what's the longest I'll answer that one first. Back, I, back in the day, <laughs> I, I've actually had one take less than a week. Really? Believe it or not, I was going to say two or a week and a half. Yeah. Bef- yeah, with just the stars lined up. But mm-hmm. you know, it takes. It's hard to get the medical records sometimes, yeah. and uh, fortunately now, just for people's health in general, uh, being able to get like log into what your healthcare provider's website to see your records because if I've noticed, and this is this is what I've noticed is if your primary doctor refers you to somebody, those records take forever to get over there. And sometimes you see that person before the records get there. Mm -hmm. And so just having in general, having access to people who 
can log in and get records that, that that'll shorten it up a little bit the technology is improving the speed is getting better um but we're still sometimes it lags it just depends on the individual yeah i mean I, yeah i mean i've had one str- had them stretch out as long as uh four to five months sure yeah but a lot of that be doctor's rest and that doesn't mean somebody's going to get an unfavorable right i mean i've had great slow. health ratings that just took forever yeah. because insurance company it was for large amounts and they wanted to cross every t dot every i and they had to get those doctor's records doctors were slow but uh anyway so it's a but that one four to five months worth of work the client had to do right you know, the, the work was happening just for, a, with us and the insurance company just uh, a waiting game and really right. for the carriers we use we want them to do their due diligence yeah, and we want them to make sure they're just not approving any anybody off the street so mm-hmm. if they do be wary <laughs> Well, thank you, guys. This is very helpful. Really enjoyed it. Thank you for listening, folks. We're signing off. Save Yourself Podcast brought to you by Unlimit Wealth. You've been listening to Save Yourself, conversations, ideas, and strategic thinking with the four founders of Unlimit Wealth. To learn more about Unlimit Wealth or to make a personal appointment, visit us online at unlimitwealth.com. <laughs>